The ultimate weapon. Yeah. Which is just a big gun. It's just a really big gun. Yeah, it, it's like the biggest gun. It's a wa- it's a water slide. Yeah. <laughs> it, re- it really is. So, Typhonus sucks at this so bad. He's so terrible. Like, it's the second episode where he gets like zapped, right? Yeah, he goes. He goes goodbye, Typhonus, and hello, and then never says Typhonus. Like, <laughs> and hello, nurse. It's like a long pause if there's gets goodbye, Typhonus, and hello, Typhonus, and hello, sexy. We're doing, we're doing the we're doing we're doing the two part downfall of Typhonus. This is his rise and fall. <laughs> That's a pretty low rise. That's like knee high, man. <laughs> like, he does not I get built far. a giant tube in the space. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm getting shot by a laser. There was a Nerf blaster I took inspiration from. It would launch <laughs> a tennis ball at least 20 feet. Can you put it on an asteroid? It is like the American <laughs> Gladiator's gun, but just like on an asteroid, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Should we, should we should we do this yeah, on, the, yeah. on the radio? Hey, everybody. Welcome to Exosquad Goals, the Exosquadcast podcast. I'm Chris Mastalone. I'm Ryan Hardy. And I'm Chris Farantino. And as you might tell from this part I'm totally going to leave in, we've been talking about Exosquad Season 2, Episode 4, The Ultimate Weapon. Um, this was written by... I totally had this up for two seconds ago. Why did I change it? Oh, God. Hold on. I'm going to cut this part out in a second. Because I literally changed this to look at the fucking giant Nerf gun that we were just talking about. Um, there we go. This episode was written by Mark Edens, James Carlson, and Terrence McDonald. Now, Mark Edens is a guy we've talked about a couple of times. Um, Terrence McDonald, I actually could not find anything on him, which is unfortunate. Um, I'll just assume he wrote, like, Lawrence of Arabia. T-Mac. He's the original. Oh, no, actually, actually, I apologize. James Carlson was the one I couldn't find anything on. Terrence McDonald, um, has had an interesting career. He went from writing for shows such as Chips, uh, The Bionic Woman... He did a little couple episodes of Exo Squad, but he was actually he wrote for uh, or was involved with um, Battlestar Galactica, the 1979 one, the old. Oh one. hell yeah! But he wrote. He was a TV. He was the story editor on that. But he wrote. He was the writing supervisor on One Versus One Hundred. If you remember that game show. That's yeah. with the with the with the with the mob of people. Do you want the money, or do you want the money? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was like <laughs> One Versus the Mob. That show was awesome. Yeah, Wait, right. the, like from te- five years ago to like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was uh, like two thousand seven, right? That's a long career. Yeah, right. Uh, he only did three episodes of Exo Squad, um, which we've done Into the Heart of Darkness. We did that one, and then but Ultimate Weapon and Inner Dark are the other two. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see that career arc, but also because uh, I want to go into this a little bit more, the Battlestar Galactica connection with this episode is strong, uh, but not in the way you might think. That's a BuzzFeed article. Um, <laughs> so yeah. am I going to take a quiz to figure out how this is, how the two are similar? Yeah. yeah. 10 gifts of uh, Battlestar Galactica and Exosquad that link in ways you did not think. Number five yeah. will blow your mind. Five, um, five silence that just can't today. <laughs> <laughs> five times Wolf Bronski was all of us on a Monday. <laughs> um, Wolf Bronski is drunk in outer space and it is everything. Yeah, that, dude, I, just as a quick aside, the spins in space must be like the worst thing ever. Right? Or, or the best because you don't know which way you're going. It's all. Yo, that's <laughs> There's true. no orientation. Yeah. Just to kind of like give 
a bit of like an elevator pitch of this episode. Basically, Marsh and uh, Deleon are with the pirates and they're going to meet up with the Exo fleet. So you kind of have this like worst road trip ever where the Neo Sapiens, with the help of some guys and the you know some spies, are going to go uh, kind of wreck shit. But the pirates are training their own squad of Exo troopers. So it's like you have this like training episode with this like crazy road trip episode and it's all like pushing and pushing and pushing and it kind of has this like awesome battle at the end but um generally how did you guys feel about this episode like what was did you like it or you know did you hate it um nothing in between all right i so of those two options i would say i hated it um, oh oh interesting interesting but, tell us why 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 uh but in a more nuanced level, I would say I really liked it, but didn't like it the best. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I think so. It's it has a lot of really good stuff in it. Um, I I think the like squad of squad of pirate Ephraims subplot is like kind of tacked on and like isn't very handled very well. Um, and I don't know. I think the idea. I think the idea of like training and developing like pirate E-frames is like a really interesting idea and it gets it doesn't get the time they need to like work on it because there's the whole uh gun subplot too. Yeah. The uh, how about you Chris? Should I do like the uh college English classroom thing like yeah, uh, I'm going to piggyback on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I agree with what Ryan said, a lot of good stuff. And uh and I think no, um, I didn't. I I would say I like this episode. I there's some kind of funny moments in it, or there's some like little pieces that I enjoyed. Like there's some part of which like Zimbaka um, like pats Dalian on the arm because he suspects that there's a mole, and it's like there's this very weirdly weird moment between the two of them. <laughs> you think in devious ways, Dalian. I like that. You'd make a good pirate. But overall, like, I kind of like, there's, can I talk about the whole episode or do you feel? Yeah, no, let's just, well, we can, let's get into it and we can fill in like any plot gaps as we go along. Cause like, I mean, the basic thing is that they're heading, they're going to rendezvous with the Exo fleet after make the alliance. But Simbok is just like, Hey, Marsh, train, train these guys. And they're like, we, this takes forever. We can't do this in a weekend. And he's like, oh, yeah, but, you know, we have the whole house all weekend. We have to have the biggest exo kegger we can. But they're like, no way, Simbaka. Uh, no, but they, you know, they send out these raw recruits to go send, kill some scout ships. They fuck up. They build tensions with, the, you know, within the pirate clans between Hollis and Simbaka. Hollis has Barco whispering in his ear. And eventually there's like a big battle. And, of course, Typhonus fucks up again because he's Typhonus. And uh, well, well, there's this like big cannon on an asteroid yeah um, and so, that's just shooting um nerf balls you know, of like fire. In, in, in nba jam when you were on fire <laughs> yeah shooting, shooting those fireballs so yeah so a couple observations i think it's interesting that whenever there's a new e-frame they're always the goofiest stupidest looking e-frames yeah but hollis has a white e-frame which is <laughs> the ugliest friend. with pirate crests all over it he's not he's not messing around with his like allegiances it's like a really shitty version of the napier frame like yeah they got a couple of them too which makes you think that they're kind of like 
the B team E-frame because they stole them from the Neo Sapiens in the last episode. Yeah. Um, um, at, at what point um, Hollis Coldcox Marsh because he says he's not like prepared or something. Yeah. So he just yeah. punches him right in the face and then Deleon's like, you got to keep your eye on his right and then duck. I like any, any, any situation where you can be punched and everyone thinks it's hilarious. Well, I, I like too that they've kind of put that thing that he and Deleon have the relationship that's lasted long enough that they can joke about this shit, but if things get real, they're just going to murder everyone, you know? It's times like this I wish Deleon had a French accent and was really French. <laughs> it would, it would, the charm would play better. But I, yeah, no, I do get their relationship and I like it. I like it a lot. Um, if it's cool, let me go back to the thing I was going to say about Battlestar Galactica. So this episode combines like two episodes of Battlestar Galactica I really like into one like pretty good episode but it's, it's kind of like interesting seeing that connection of there's an episode where they're jumping away from the Cylon fleet that's chasing them. Every like 30 minutes they have to jump. And this episode has like an element of that where the Neo State, you know, they get found out by scout ships. Sinope base, Sinope base, we have found the pirate fleet. So you have this like the tension of like this travel, but there's also the Bowser episode where Starbuck is training all these recruits and they kind of send them out a little too raw and they get messed up and things don't go well. So it's like you have these two pretty good episodes crammed into this one kind of. And I feel like this one would have been better if it was like two episodes. You know what I mean? If they kept like the pirate recruit subplot going because they get all but like three of them get killed in the first 30 seconds, I think. And it would have been nice to see them develop as characters more, you know? Yeah, they're like wiped out. Yeah, that's one thing I uh, I totally I totally agree to with too because like like we, it kind of sets up that like you're gonna meet like, these new E frame pilots that are like part of the show now and then like all of them who aren't Hollis are immediately killed. They they uh, they damage a Neo Sapien scout ship and then uh, <laughs> in a very pirate way they're like we can't let him have all the glory. Come on, we'll show him how pirates can fight. And the guy's just self destructed and. The whole squad gets wiped, Incl- particularly there's a guy with like a really he looks like a shitty knockoff of Deleon. He's got like shitty goggles, shitty Deleon hair, and he's always scowling. And I wanted him to hang around longer, um, but he gets killed more or less immediately. Um, it's I think your the larger point is kind of interesting about like this arc of episodes because it's it's like we're on episode four and it seems like we're on. I can't tell if there's been too many or too few pirate, um, you know, these episodes where they're joining the EXO fleet. Yeah. Like, I feel like we've been, like, the first season especially where every every episode was so consequential that I feel like sometimes there's these little subplots that, like, could be longer or there's these longer things that could be shorter. Um, maybe it's just, like, that we had a little break. It just It just, it just feels like we've been kind of retreading over the same ground a lot. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but that's how I feel. Yeah, this is like the fifth time Simbaka's been like, well, if you don't do this, the alliance is off. Like, (laughs) he's like agreed to the alliance like ten ten times now, and it continually has like a new like, and like, yes, and first you have to kill somebody in combat, and now you have to train my pilots as E-frame pilots. Like... They've, it seems like it's the same plot, like, repeated a couple times. I always like the idea that, like, if someone's, you're like, if you're a really good Marsh, you could train a child of Lion E-Frame. And, like, that's not how it works. Yeah. 
but I still have to do it. Yeah. It, it, it seems like, you know, and I kind of, I kind of agree and I kind of disagree a little bit where th- there's part of me that wishes they consolidated some of this stuff. You know, the pirate E-Frame squad isn't really going to matter that much in the immediate future. That could have been like a total backburner thing. But it's also kind of necessary to show like they're they're taking steps to be part of the fighting force, you know? One thing this show does so well is that it shows kind of like how the sausage is made in these space battles. Like in a lot of shows, they just are like, there's a big battle. Okay. Uh, and, and here it's like, we have to get to the fleet and rendezvous. Well, we're going to have a lot of free time. What do you want to do? I don't know. Teach these these schmucks to uh, fly E-frames, and, you know, and the protest and the differing mentalities of it. But at the same time, you know, you kind of want to get to the because it's going to get so fun and good when they actually get to the fleet. You know, you want to get to that stuff, you know? Well, well, like, plus, like, we're introduced to this cannon that is the ultimate weapon, and it, we're introduced to it at the beginning of the episode, and it's destroyed at the end of the episode. Yeah. You know, it's, like, not... I mean, it's very... I get it. It's very, like, monster of the week kind of thing, but in a show that doesn't feel monster of the week. Like, everything has felt so consequential. Uh, conse- consequential at this point. <laughs> Consecrated. Consequential. Um, you know what I mean? Like everything yeah. has felt like, oh, this is a big deal. The graph shield is a big deal. It's gonna stick around. Like this is the ultimate weapon, this um water slide tube out of a floating asteroid. <laughs> and um it seems really cool, but it's then it's it's here and it's gone. Um you know, at the end of the episode. Did you guys ever watch uh, Dragon Ball Z back in the day? not deeply because the other side of it is that one thing that they would do on a show like that is they'd be like he has the ultimate weapon to destroy the earth oh no he's launching it right now and then it'd be like five episodes later the thing is still being launched um but i feel like there's got to be like a midpoint between like the overly exaggerated bullet that never gets there and the ultimate like i would have loved to see a couple of episodes where because they have like basically a death star thing where this is this water slide of doom that fires flaming nerf balls of death, which like wreck shit. They're awesome. It's on an asteroid and it's orbiting towards the place where the exo fleet is like in dry dock. And it would have been great to have a couple episodes where they're like, maybe they do a failed raid and then they need to figure something out and it's a last ditch effort. But at the same time, you want to push that story along, you know, it's a really tough choice. I can't imagine when you're looking at the whole arc of the, uh, the show, making that choice to be like, well, we got to cut something down and this is going to be it. I get that it's not easy and that there are a lot of choices and there's a lot of good ideas and you have to figure out how much weight to give them. Um, I don't mean to, I'm not like personally being critical of the writers, but, <laughs> but it just, it just, it fe- you know, it feels like it wants, every episode wants to be these two, two episodes want to be one long episode and it wants to be an hour. Yeah. You know, because there's just there's just so many th- cool things that we get a little bit of and some cool things that we just don't get enough of and too much of. And Well, what didn't work in this episode? We'll start with that. Uh, if you had to pick one thing that didn't quite click, what would you say it was? The the training, the pilots, the pirates to be frames stuff like comes across as like, like really hokey. Like there's even like a part where like when Simbak is explaining it. Where like JT Marsh like mugs the camera and goes, "Let's see if we can teach these young dogs some old tricks." <laughs> it's like a little too considering how much the pirates are like like supposed to be threatening and stuff. They come across as like a little too cartoony when they like 
can't make the E-frame sit still, and they, like, keep bumping into each other. Like, I think they, I, I don't think that was, like, right on tonally. Part of the problem with that, too, I think, is, like, we had Hollis and a bunch of, like, no-names, you know, a bunch of red shirts. And so, like, and then they, die, they like, get, the first time they go out and they fight the scout ships, I think one of the scout ships blows itself up, which I think is really cool. Yeah, yeah, that's and awesome. It t- it, that's awesome. And it takes some of the E-frame with them, and then Marsh is like, Well, it wasn't pretty, but it was a start. You know what I mean? There's <laughs> no real consequences to these guys dying, which goes back to that big cartoonish thing, which is that, unlike the previous episodes, this, it feels cartoonish, which is like there aren't stakes, because it doesn't matter if those guys die, but it should Given what we've seen before, it should matter. And, yeah, it shouldn't be goofy when they're, like, have these big hands on their E-frames and they're all bumping into each other like a bunch of goofballs. Yeah, you know, there's part of me that wants, like, like, when they first take off and the guy can't hover, I like that. You know what I mean? Where he's, it's sort of like these very basic things. But then, you know, they're kind of doing a decent enough job. Uh, like I would have loved to see a character or like Hollis, because like one thing to show this super well is throwing like a small relationship in that like manifests itself so well later on. Like you know, like what last episode we saw a couple of the, the jump troops in the background, that kind of stuff. I would have loved to see just like a two second thing where Hollis is like, "Hey, this is hey, good buddy. We've been together forever." Now we're in a squad. Haha, <laughs> hope you don't die. You know, like something to give it like a little more weight. Because like you said, it feels like almost nothing when these guys get like wasted. Yeah, and then the cannon comes in and then is gone before you even really get to see the importance of it. Yeah. Which is another kind of pet peeve. Like, you know, you've set it up as being this huge thing and we only get to see, basically you see it take down a couple of E-frames. It's not. And I, I get it. It's like it's kind of like the Guns of Navarone thing where it's like, you know, you need to have sometimes these giant weapons and things to blow up that are big threats. But yeah, this one felt like, it, especially with the episode title being the ultimate weapon. It, it felt like an empty threat. It felt like it was just there to justify the raid on it. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Instead, instead of instead of it coming out of a really deep narrative reason. You know what I mean? It, 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 it fills one thing without really tying into the greater or the narrative yeah I'll... but i do i do like that hollis is ready to bl- blow himself up and jt takes out his fusion pack <laughs> and rescues <laughs> hollis cementing the theme the pirates are too willing to die yeah like you can clearly just eject the fusion pack and hollis is like marsh will see what a pirate can do get out of here i've sent my fusion pack to explode jt's like he says button right here pops out thing blows up just fine yeah, it's like an old car radio. What about the next battle? <laughs> yeah, right? This, these couple of episodes to me are like, I almost, going back to that like smooth brain Hollis thing, he's just so willing to like get killed. Like if someone's like, hey Hollis, I heard if you don't kill yourself, you're like a total jackass. And he's like, well, I have to kill myself. And it's like, no, 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 just think. One 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 second of th- thought would help. Um, Plus, Plus, Barker's like, maybe Simbaka's trying to kill you. And he's like, good point. I didn't think of that. That's really, I won't question it. Forget Marsh. Your real enemy is Simbaka. Why do you think he sent you and the others out to fight unprepared? Because we had to stop the scout ships. Because you're the best. 
the ones to challenge his leadership someday. And he can eliminate that threat. Barca plays him like a freaking fiddle. So after the uh, failed raid or the failed fight against the uh, the scout ships, Barca's just like, Hollis, I think that Simbaka wanted to get you killed. He put you out there with no experience. And, and Hollis is just like, yeah, you're right. I should kill him first. <laughs> that checks out. Yeah. And it's just like, dude, dude, just shh, shh, sweet, sweet Hollis. Also, what happened to the Neo-Zabian blockade? Did I miss that? Did it get broken? Did they leave? I, well, they split or up they... half the fleet to uh, try to run down the pirate clans, but they got messed up when they kidnapped Simbaka in the last episode. But it seems like, it, you know, again, this goes back to Typhonus just not being a good military leader. If it's not going to work out, just don't either reinforce it or don't do it. Like, if you have your opponent in a corner, put more stuff there. You know, if, if there's no threat on, like, Earth, put more Earth stuff there to kill him. But, you know, that's, I mean, that's that's nitpicking on my end right there. Is there anything you guys want to plug for this episode? Um, you can continue to go to the Two Loopy Ladies on Etsy and find yourself a wonderful crocheted hat, scarf. Um, check it out. Continue to check it out. Continue to check it out. Again, one sale just just one little sale and these stop you you have the power just just buy anything anything winter is coming it will come and that's not the only thing coming hey oh hey bada bing bada boom um uh yeah so (laughs) uh do you guys have anything you'd like to recommend for this week um, I'll, I'd like to start off and say I saw Wonder Woman and thought it was like fucking great. Um, just a nice. solid, really solid superhero movie. And it's fun to see like a DC movie that's not horribly depressing and or awful. So that was a pleasant surprise. Sweet. I, uh, I got an iZombie last weekend uh, and that show is fantastic. So nice. Um nice the the leftovers just finished and if anybody stuck stuck with it through season three it is a great show (laughs) the later the later seasons are amazing just i mean i i hear like it's actually really become like this unreally awesome thing that was a really bad sentence because i was looking at something else um yeah does it so it just finished up right you said yeah, it was the last episode. It was Sunday. Would you say that it ended like satisfactory? Like, because I remember, like, I'm the one who watched the first season and didn't yeah. follow through. Do you think it it's worth investing the time? Oh yeah, like to me, like the first season, like every episode got a little bit better than the last episode, and then the second season was like a different show, huh? In in a great way, like it's a different setting. It's like very di- like a lot of different characters. Um, and everything just gets deep, deeper and more interesting and more creative and more like strange and wild. And like what I love about it. And the third season is just continues that. And it's a, again, a different setting. So like the second season's in Texas and the third season's in Australia. And, it, um, I just, I love kind of like, it just takes its time developing all these little details. And, and, um, I found the edit to be very satisfying and, um, in a way that I worry that some shows will not end <laughs> satisfactorily. Like I'm worried that Game of Thrones is just going to stop 
and it's just going to have meant nothing. <laughs> it's it's going to be a Sopranos. It's just going to be like kind yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I I hear that. That that's good cuz one thing I, I mean it's, it's kind of the lesson of Exo Squad is uh you know, the shame of the show is that you love it so much but it kind of just ends. You know, like they yeah. were going to go do the third season but it just kind of like it's like that's it. Sorry. You know, and well, yeah, like comes to a nice end, and then there's some strange cliffhanger that doesn't get followed through with. But, exactly. But yeah. Now, if you if you can watch further on the leftovers, I think you'll be happily rewarded by it. Nice. Well, I'll definitely uh, have to check that out on the uh, the old HBO Go machine. Um, well, guys, I think that was uh, that was good because like. This I think this is the first episode in a while where we've had like a truly kind of like mixed feeling about, you know, I feel like a lot of them have been like grand slams or, you know, just very obvious, obviously kind of like connective tissue. But this is one that is kind of trying to do both. So it was really interesting talking about it. It, it just feels like it's re- we're ready to move on from this subplot, this storyline. You know, no, definitely. Who would you say was your MVP for this episode? Um, I'm going to go daily on with the jokes. Yeah. He did the jokes. He, he's the one who realizes that there's a mole. Um, he gets a loving arm rub from Sabaka. Daily on my MVP. Um, there's one near Sapien when they blow up the, the, the gun who's flying in the fleet. And, uh, and Typhonus is like, like, what's that? A meteor shower. And then Neo Sapien just goes, sir, the wreckage from Sinope. Like, like, <laughs> it's like as it's getting hit, like, did you have been able to see that from like miles away? Like you're in space. <laughs> yeah. Can I just say that guy, the uh, like the helmsman, he because he was in the last couple of episodes with Typhonus and he must have the most frustrating job because it seems like his job is basically consistently to be like Typhonus. It's obviously this. Typhonus, things are going badly. You want to do? No, you don't. You don't want to do anything. Typhonus, can we? No. Uh, okay. Like that guy should be running the fleet, not Typhonus. Yeah. Like, yeah. sir, sir. I think we. Uh, yeah. No. Well, silence, worm. Right. <laughs> On your knees, dog. Yeah, it's it's bad. Um, I'm gonna say my uh, my MVP is that guy I was talking about, like the negative universe uh Delian, who you know is basically he looks like the uh like you know the guys you walk by and they're selling like dvds on the street like if there was the exo squad version of that he would be on the cover in like Delian's frame but with like marsh's wings for arms <laughs> like because he's great because every time he's on screen they're like okay, guys, be careful. He's like, no, we should rush in and get the glory for ourselves. <laughs> and you're like, no, 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 just, just do what Marsh said. And like he, because he's the guy that when they're flying towards the scout ship, he's like, let's board it and get plunder. And it's like, and Marsh is just like, no. But, you know, he's great because he just is the most piratey pirate that ever pirated it in this episode. Yar. Yar. Um, <laughs> Pirates are so agreeable. <laughs> Nar. They're never like, no, nar. And on that note, I would like to thank Eric Calderon for our intro and outro music. You can find him on YouTube at 331 Rock. 
His stuff is really great. He shreds. It's awesome. I would like if you guys could go and give us a five-star review. That's just the right amount of stars on iTunes or wherever you listen. Uh, write us a review. It would be great. We love hearing from you. If you want to reach out to us, find us on Twitter at exosquadgoals or email us at exosquadgoals at gmail.com. Uh, you know, again, those reviews are so good, so important. Have your voice heard. If you really don't like us and maybe our rampant racism or sexism i mean we didn't talk about nara burns at all this episode we can it wasn't in this episode she right? has not been around it's been very dude heavy lately um and again we need more pirate woman but that's another issue uh reach out to us you know we love to hear from you and uh yeah leave those reviews we come out with a new episode every saturday next saturday we'll be putting out season two episode five expendable so yeah so for exo squad goals i'm chris mastalone I'm Ryan Harnady. And I'm Chris Farentino. Are there any heroes in this company? No, no sir. sir. Boom. Someday we need cool, like, something really cool at the end, like an explosion. Yes. Because I always just, <laughs> I always just, like, say that was adequate, but... How you feeling, Ryan? Do you need to do you need a Gatorade? I'm I'm still really hungover, guys. <laughs> like, I got I got I got home I got home at like 2 p.m. yesterday. Uh, what did you do? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it was a reunion, college reunion. Oh yeah. So yeah, I uh, <laughs> I I threw up like right in front of a kid. But they brought they brought a keg out to the middle of the green, and they just like, we're just like having having keg beer, and I'm like so hungover. And this girl I was at college with uh, was like, yo, can you chug a beer right now? I'm like, okay, fine. And then my friend Pat uh, uh, was was a kid. I chugged the beer. And I was like, I'm I'm going to be sick. And then I just threw up right in front of his kid. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs>